that sound means it is time for a cinema talk with Bruce and Jay. My good friend Bruce Stout is on the line. Bruce, how are you, my friend? I'm well. It is a beautiful, sunny day. We have something to smile about, hopefully. I'm doing well. How are you doing, Jay? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, you know, other than uh, the social distancing and wearing, yeah. wearing a mask and... Uh, you know, kind of uh, every day, just like uh, Groundhog Day, over and over again. Over and over <laughs> again, yeah. Same, same <laughs> thing, right. same thing. But uh, so today, and we're going to start here with this in a little bit, uh, we're going to talk about our top biopics. But before we do that, Bruce, we wanted to kind of uh, take a look in the other new, in other news. And in other news, we look at uh, uh, people that are performers that have left us this last month. So, Bruce, I'll let you lead it off. Well, we do have a lot of ground to cover. You're absolutely right. I'm going to start off with cinematographer Alan Davio, if I'm pronouncing that right. He passed away April 17th at the age of 77, and Davio had 43 credits, which is amazing, most notably working with Steven Spielberg on the film E.T., The Extraterrestrial. Uh, He also worked on Empire of the Sun and The Color Purple. So he was sort of Steven Spielberg's, as far as a cinematographer, sort of his right-hand man. But other credits include Bugsy with Warren Beatty, Avalon, Defending Your Life, great film, by the way, and The Falcon and The Snowman. He was nominated for five Academy Awards. But one thing I'd like to interject about uh, cinematographers in general, they're largely overlooked because they are basically, um, and, and directors like Spielberg, you know, chose Alan Davio, They're very important. They are the photographers of the film, just like a still photographer has a Kodak camera, only in this case, it's it's motion picture. So yes, we will miss Alan Davio, um, so definitely. So we'll move on to your... All right, so uh, I am going to talk a little bit about Golden Globe and two-time Tony Award-winning actor Brian Dennehy. Uh, Passed away April 16th at the age of 81. Denny, Denny, he had a, an amazing amount. He had 183 acting credits, most notably as Sheriff Tiesel in the first uh, First Blood. And um, and also he was Sheriff Cobb in Silverado. Uh, many, many more movies I can think I know. For example, you know, um, uh, movie bestseller with James Woods, which was one of my, my favorite. Great uh, overlooked no. film, by the yeah. way. I'm sorry to interrupt no, you. Absolutely. Bestseller is a really overlooked film. We had it at the cinema I was working on. Yes. Great film. Absolutely. Go ahead. Uh, Cocoon, Legal Eagles. Uh, and he played the father in Tommy Boy. Uh, but then yeah. he. Uh, was really a stage actor, and he was a, a, a terrific stage actor. Uh, he won a gold, you know, gold, gold for his performances. Willie Loman in Death of a Salesman uh, in 2001, and he also was, an, yeah, he again, acclaimed stage actor uh, with his roots in the Chicago Goodman Theater, where he won two Tony Awards for his performance uh, in Death of a Salesman, again, as Willie Loman, and then Long Day's Journey into Night. Tonight, yeah, right. so uh, any thoughts about uh, um, Mr. Dennehy? I'm going to play a real clip well, clip from him well, when you're done. Definitely. Well, uh, definitely, you know, uh, here in Chicagoland, we're very familiar with Chicago's Goodman Theater. Right. And to me, well, there's two things. It amazed me that they cast him as Willie Loman because if you remember Dustin Hoffman in the television rendering yes. of Death of a Salesman, he was cast as Willie Loman. So I guess that's a testament to Brian Dennehy. But the, the other observation I'll make about him is when I was studying acting, they would talk about presence. They would talk about, you know, an actor, actress has uh, a presence. But the fact of the matter is, Brian Dennehy was a very large man. Yes. I mean, he, if I'm not mistaken, he was like six foot three and Lord only knows, maybe 185 pounds or something. No, but well, yes, uh, 200, he definitely 285 had pounds. He was a, he was a huge Yeah, that's more like it. Exactly. Yeah. Like a football player almost but yes that's what i would interject there so i've got a clip real quick that i want to play of uh, his work and this is from uh the movie uh silverado where he plays the sheriff of the town Mm -hmm. of silverado called cobb and he's talking Mm -hmm. about his friend uh payton who uh uh, kevin klein so i'll play that kevin klein's character right uh, play it real quick for us sure let me tell you about your friend payton me and him tyree a few others we did a good bit of riding together a few years back Business, you know, and uh, business was pretty good. We were moving around a lot, the way you have to, in that line of work. And somewhere along the line, we picked up this dog. One of the boys 
took to feeding it, so it followed us everywhere. Anyway, this one time, we're leaving a little Missouri town in quite a hurry. A bunch of the locals hot on our tail. And his dog somehow got tangled up with Tyree's horse. And Tyree went flying. <laughs> well, Tyree was pretty mad when he jumped up, and being Tyree, he shot the dog. Didn't kill him, though. But before you know it, Payton is off his horse, and he's holding this dog. He'd gone all strange on us. Said we should go on without him. Hell, I thought he was kidding at first, but he wasn't. Tyree was ready to plug them both. All this with a posse coming down. I thought we were pals after all that riding we'd done together. All of a sudden, he's more worried about some mutt. Well, we did like he asked, and we left him. And he went to jail for a dog. You want to hear the funny part? Peyton didn't even like that damn dog. <laughs> yeah, Den- Den- he was a terrific, terrific actor. I heard an interview with Dean Richards he did a few years back, 2007. Richards played it again. And just a wonderful, wonderful uh, a man. Just and very thoughtful. And Richard, Richards couldn't have spoken more glowingly about an individual. Said he was just the nicest person in the world. Uh, you know, always gave up his time. So anyway, let's move on to the third person. The third is animation director Gene Deitched, if I hope I'm pronouncing that right, who passed away April 19th, and it was at the age of 95. Deitch had 112 directing credits. That's pretty impressive. Most notably, Tom and Jerry, we all know who those are, and Popeye. He directed Monroe, which won the Academy Award for Best Short Subject uh, as far as cartoons in 1961. His films were nominated three other times in the same category. So that's a pretty impressive resume. And, you know, animation directors, especially if you have a family or you have children or growing up as a child, animation directors are very important, even if you don't know their names. So I did want to mention that. Absolutely. And next we have actor Tom Lester, passed away April 20th at the age of 81. Lester had 18 credits, most notably as the role of Eb Dawson on the TV show uh, Green Acres. Well, actually, on multiple TV shows, Green Acres, Petticoat Junction, and the Beverly Hillbillies. So I played the same character on all three shows. Go ahead on number five. I wasn't aware of that. That impresses That's me. That's pretty cool. Uh, my, yeah, my next one is actress Shirley Knight, who passed away April 22nd at the age of 83. And Knight had 184 acting credits, most notably Sweet Bird of Youth and The Dark at the Top of the Stairs, where she did receive nominations for Best Supporting Actress uh, as far as the Academy Awards. She was also nominated for a Tony and three Emmys. And, and once again, I'll just interject this. Shirley Knight is a classic example. So we were talking about Brian Dennehy of an actor or you know, in her case, a female actor that can do both stage, but also morph into motion pictures. So a lot of times, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll we'll, we'll remember someone who not only was nominated for Tony's, but also Academy Awards. So that, that happens again and again. So that's it. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, uh, then we have actor Gene Dynarski passed away April 24th at the age of 86. He had 65 acting credits, most notably the movie, uh, Steven Spielberg's first movie, Duel. Uh, he yep. was also in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, All the President's Men, and he played uh, a character on Seinfeld named Izzy Mandelbaum. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I vaguely remember that. Yes. Uh, my next one is Bollywood actor Ephraim Khan. Again, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Who passed away April 28th at the age of 53. Khan had one. Ha- excuse me. Had 151 acting credits, most notably Slumdog Millionaire, which was a huge success. Uh, Jurassic World, The Amazing Spider-Man, and Life of Pi, which is Another great film. So I don't have a lot of source material about him, but that is a force to be wake. Uh, you know, and he died at the age of fifty-three, which relatively that's pretty young, unfortunately. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful actor. And if people out there haven't seen Life of Pi, uh, and you, have you great seen Life? Film. It is a great movie. Great. Film. It is. It is a great movie based on a book. 
and it, re- it really is a fantastic film. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. So I have next uh, singer Harold Reed, who was one of the co-founders of the Statler Brothers. He passed away April 27th at the age of 80. He was the baritone for the Statlers. He appeared; they appeared regularly on ABC music series The Johnny Cash Show from 1969 to 1971, and toured the world with Cash from 1972 to 77. They earned six consecutive CMA Vocal Group of the Year trophies and went on to win the award three other times. Uh, and I most notably remember the Statler brothers from the song Flowers on the Wall, which I believe I'm 99% sure that it was number one back in the 60s and it was number, a number one country song back in the, in the 90s when it was on the soundtrack for the movie Pulp Fiction. So, you just stole my thunder. Yeah. I was just going to mention that, yeah. and it's Bruce Willis right before he runs over Ving Rhames. That's right. Uh, yep. Yes, Bruce Willis is in Pulp Fiction, and he's just kind of singing along in his car. He's kind of singing along to the Statler Brothers, counting flowers on the wall. So, yeah, that's my association with that song. They're, they were great, and he was the baritone. He was the baritone. So, yeah. like you said, yeah, I mean, he really had a dynamic he, Amazing form. voice. Go ahead. All right, my next is actor Sam Lloyd, who passed away May 1st uh, at the age of 56, uh, fairly young, by the way. Lloyd had 69 acting credits, most notably from the TV show Scrubs, great show, by the way, and Cougar Town. Lloyd also appeared in the movies Rising Sun, Flubber, and Galaxy Quest. (laughs) I have Ronan O'Rahilly. Uh, was the pioneer of public radio. Uh, he passed away, uh, I'm sorry, not public radio, it should be pirate radio. He passed away at the age of 79. O'Rahilly was the creator and frontman of Radio Caroline, a pirate radio station run from a ship moored in the international waters off the coast of England that was started in 1964. Uh, the adventures of Radio Caroline were chronicled in the 2009 movie Pirate Radio starring Bill Nighy as O'Rahilly and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Well, we know what he did. Yes. That, that is an incredible choice, a very yeah. good one. Well, the next one is not so much cinematic, although reading your notes, Professor, I did not know the last factoid I'm going to give you for this one, but it's NFL Hall of Fame head coach Don Shula, who passed away May 4th at the age of 90. And Don Shula is appeared, uh, and I didn't know this. Well, he was the NFL's most winning coach, as in 328 victories. He led the Dolphins to three Super Bowls, winning two. And I didn't know this until I read my notes. I did not know he appeared in Ace Ventura, a 1994 release, playing himself. But let's be honest, here in Chicagoland, we're we're a big fan of Doug Coach. You yeah. know who I'm talking about. But let's let's give Don Shula credit where credit. It is due. He did something no other NFL head coach ever did, which means you know the 1972 Dolphins were undefeated. Were undefeated. Uh, they had no, you know, and uh, this is going to sting for Bears fans. But if you remember the '85 season, that was the only, you know, when they played Miami, that was their only loss. That That's was right. their only, you know, so, but again, I give credit where credit is due. So go ahead. No, Shula was a great, great coach. All right, anyway, yeah, uh, I am going to real quickly mention the entertainer Roy Horn of Siegfried and Roy. Uh, he passed away May 8th at the age of 74. He performed as part of Siegfried and Roy for 25 years, primarily at the Mirage Hotel. He appeared in the movie Vegas Vacation and Ocean's Eleven. And you, you've got a huge one next. I do. I have musician Richard Wayne Penniman, better known as Little Richard, passed away May 9th at the age of 87. Richard, considered by many as the king of rock and roll, myself included, by the way, had his music appear in, get this, 227 movies or TV shows. He appeared in movies Down and Out in Beverly Hills. That's a great film, by the way. The Pickle, Purple People Eater, Last Action Hero, and Chairman of the Board. Um, I definitely think he is definitely one of the founding fathers of what oh, now no in this day, rock and, you know, one of the forefathers of rock and roll. So, yeah, he will be missed. What a dynamic they, personality there was a, he was. There was a great picture shared on the Internet, um, uh, and obviously taken years ago, uh, 19, in the, from the 50s, the, the late 50s of 
him with Buddy Holly. And Buddy Holly died in 59. And this guy, you know, little Richard lived until now. I mean, it's 60 years later. I mean, that tells you. It's amazing. It's amazing what what a life that this man had. All right. So I am going to talk real quickly about something near and dear to to, uh, me because it's uh, from Rockford, Illinois. And that is All-American Girls Professional Baseball League player Marty Pratt. She was the last living member of the Rockford Peaches. Passed away May 8th at the age of 101. Uh, she played and pitched in the league from 1943 through 1947 for the Peaches and the Kenosha Comets. Uh, the AAGPL was chronicled in Penny Marshall's wonderful movie, A League of Their Own, from 1992. Well, you know, there's no crying in cinema talk. Uh, <laughs> that's Jake, right. There's just no crying. You know, Tom Hanks, that's, a, that's an iconic role. There's yep. no crying in cinema talk. Anyway, moving along. Yes. Now, this is our last but not the least. Uh, Actor-comedian Jerry Stiller passed away May 11th at the age of 92. Stiller was the male counterpart um, of the comedy team Stiller and Mira. I have a brief story about them, by the way, with his wife and Mira. They were on the top of the comedy game in the 1960s, most notably appearing on the Ed Sullivan Show 36 times. That's amazing. The fa- yeah, it is. The father actor director uh, Ben Stiller. Uh, Stiller's career was revitalized in 1989 when he took the role of Frank Costanza, that's George Costanza's father, uh, on the sitcom classic uh, Seinfeld. He also played Arthur Spooner on The King of Queens, another popular co- uh, comedy between 1998 and 2007. Stiller played several movie roles as well, most notably the role of Maury Balstein in Zoolander. <laughs> Zoolander and Zoolander 2. He also was the original taking of Pelham 1, 2, and 3 and two versions of Hairspray. Believe it or not, I once met John Waters regarding Hairspray, but I, I will share this about <laughs> yes, let's hear it. Jerry Spiller. I, I just remember going back to like 1980 and we had HBO growing up and Jerry Stiller and Ann Mira, they just fed off each other as far as their stage acting, uh, not their acting, but their performance of stand-up comedy. And you could even say that they were sort of pioneers, but I remember this bond that they had and they got my attention long before Seinfeld and King King of Queens. But the last thing I'll say about Jerry Stiller, to me, it's no wonder that Ben Stiller has sort of like what you might call the legacy or the genes yeah. of the Stiller family. He's very accomplished. Um, I know he's somewhat of an ingenue. I mean, Ben Stiller is obviously handsome, but I think he inherited those comic tendencies from his mom and dad. Uh, so that's all I'll say about that. No, I agree. And here's a uh, short clip of... Uh uh, Jerry Stiller as uh, as uh, as um, Frank Costanza uh, from oh. Seinfeld, where they're talking with uh, I think it's Larry David actually playing uh, uh, George Steinbrenner here. So real quickly, sure. I can't believe it. He was so young. How could this have happened? Well, he'd been logging some pretty heavy hours. First one in in the morning, last one to leave at night. That kid was a human dynamo. Are you sure you're talking about George? <laughs> what the hell did you trade Jay Buna for? <laughs> he had 30 home runs over 100 RBIs last year. He's got a rocket for an arm. You don't know what the hell you're doing. He <laughs> well, was a good prospect, no question about it. All right, well, that's uh, some fantastic work. <laughs> Jerry Stiller, rest in peace. Uh, yeah, what a wonderful actor. All right, Bruce, now we are going to go into our favorite biopics. And what I'd like to do is I would like sure. to go through our honorable mentions. So I'd like you to give your three honorable mentions, and then we'll do our top three. So you had three of them. I'll talk about all three. Right. Well, I had two and then a bonus one. But right. my number one honorable mention is Ed Wood. It's a 1994 Touchstone uh, Pictures release directed by one of my favorites, Tim Burton. And it stars Johnny Depp, Martin Landau, and Sarah Jessica Parker. If, you know, and you and I have talked about upcoming up uh, uh, segments that we're going to do about movies about movies. This is the quintessential Absolutely. movie about no movies. Question. And, you know, as far as the public 
the public consciousness, uh, Ed Wood is kind of un- honorably mentioned as far as, you know, directing the worst film ever made, depending on who you ask, which is Plan 9 from Outer Space. But what I loved, and I think Siskel and Ebert pointed this out about Tim Burton, and especially Johnny Depp playing the title role of Ed Wood, it's this very effervescent, uh, Johnny Depp plays, like I said, the title role of Ed Wood, and he's just very good-natured and laughing, and he had a reputation for cross-dressing, and he even made fun of himself about that. You know, Martin Landau, a caveat, won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for playing, of all actors, the role of Bela Lugosi. Most people know him as Dracula or as the Dracula, but he won the Academy Award for Best Actor. Um, it's a 1994 release. It's just... in in in. Johnny Depp kind of got my attention with that film. It's shot in black black and white. But if you love movies about movies, that is just a great ride. And I always love Tim Burton's uh, sensibilities. So that's that's my number one. Go to your next one. My number two, I was just researching this earlier, is Frida. Um, that's a 2002 release from Miramax. It was directed by Julie Taymor. I don't know much about her, but uh, starring Salma Hayek, Alfred Molina, uh, Antonio Banderas, and Jeffrey Rush. Um, it is, and, and I'm going to tie this into my other uh, bonus honorable mention, but I did want to mention this about tortured artists. So the film Frida, she's, it's a very complex film. She had very complex relationships with all these different people. But what I will say about films about artists is that it's almost redundant to say they're tortured artists because, and I, let me go off on a tangent here, it's just like Sting. I remembered uh, reading an article when I was very young, and Sting just simply said, you know, people would ask him, how are you so creative? And he says, well, it takes emotional pain to be creative. And if you don't have emotional pain, you better figure out a way to get some. So like I said, Frida is definitely about a a tortured artist and throughout the 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 course of the storyline it's very and it that is Salma Hayek really she's she's beautiful but she really got my attention there's no wonder she was nominated for the Oscar so I'll move along your, to my your, other your last choice for honorable my, mention my, my, my my bonus honorable mention is Pollock, uh, 2001 Sony Pictures classic. Uh, it's not only directed by Ed Harris; it also he plays the uh, the title role of Jackson Pollock, and it stars Marsha Gay Harden, uh, Amy Madigan, who I think is still Ed Harris's wife, as a matter of fact. Bud Court, if you remember the film uh, Harold and Maude, Bud Court oh, yeah. was a youngster in that film. Jennifer Connelly, we know how beautiful and gifted she is. John Hurt, and then of all people, Val Kilmer. But the caveat about Pollock is that Marsha Gay Harden was nominated for the Academy Award for portraying uh, Jackson Pollock's wife. Oh, so right. that's it. Well, do you, and, do you and, want to chime in about that? No, it, you know, Harris is a wonderful actor. I think he's probably one of our more underappreciated a- actors. He's been nominated four times, hasn't mm-hmm. won. But, I mean, he, you know, the last time he was nominated was The Hours in 2003. Uh, but he was also nominated for Pollock for The Truman Show and for Apollo 13. Just, yeah, just a terrific, terrific, terrific actor. So um, I will give my two honorable mentions and um, these are movies that I've seen recently, actually seen them within the last year. So I'm trying to you know get people to kind of watch movies and and uh, get out there and see stuff that's available. The first one is Rocket Man uh, from last year, 2019, directed by Dexter Fletcher, the same man who directed uh, Remy Malek in uh, Bohemian Rhapsody um, and starring Taron Egerton, uh, Jamie Bell. Uh, Richard Madden and Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh, and I will say about this movie, this is about the, the uh, story of, of Elton John's life, but it's told through his music. And it's, 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 it's presented like a musical where they're singing and actually dancing through parts of this movie. Um, sure. Jamie Bell plays, please help me here. Who is Elton John's counterpart? Bernie Toppin. Bernie Toppin. Yeah. Bernie Toppin. Jamie Bell is wonderful as Bernie Toppin. He really, him and yeah. Egerton were fantastic. And I will say that I, I very much enjoyed Bohemian Rhapsody and Remy Malik, but I thought that Egerton, see, Remy Malik did not sing any of Freddie Mercury's music. And I, 
I, I don't blame him. I mean, Freddie Mercury uh, may be the best singer of, of our generation, um, you know, or of, of the past, you know, 100 years. I mean, he was a wonderful, sure wonderful, wonderful singer. Uh, but Remy Malek sang none of that. Taron Egerton actually sang the music in this movie. Uh, and and he was really, 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 really good. Uh, I I'd highly recommend Rocket Man for people who have not seen it. I agree. And I, growing up, I was a big Elton John oh, fan. Absolutely. And I was skeptical, to be honest with you, when Rocket Man was released of last year in 2019. But it lived up to the expectation. That's what I will it was say. Good. About that. Uh, my other honorable mention, real quickly, is The Theory of Everything from 2014, directed by James Marsh, starring Eddie Redmayne and Felicity Jones. Redmayne, uh, and this is the movie about uh, the true life story of Stephen Hawking. And Redmayne, yeah. Redmayne plays Hawking, um, and he wins the Academy Award for Best Performance by an Actor. Who, yeah. And he was, he, was, he was wonderful. And to think that like through half of that movie, or three-fourths of that movie, he's playing an immobile person. <laughs> he, yeah. can't, yeah. he can't move, and he can only right. emote with his face. Uh, yep. You know, he was he really, really was wonderful. And it's a very touching film. Uh, if again, another movie that if you haven't seen it, you need to see it because there's, you know, very much a life affirming. And Stephen Hawking, I don't I believe he was probably an atheist most of his life. He wasn't an atheist when he when he when he passed. But I mean, it was just there's a lot of life in this movie. And that's the thing that's, you know, about a man in a, in a wheelchair who cannot move any part of his body. And there's this, this movie about the gift of life. So, but he still yeah. managed is to express himself. Absolutely, and, and without question. You're absolutely right. It's like, you know, that's all he's got to emote is his face and maybe his right or left arm. Right. But you're absolutely right. It's very, t- it's very life-affirming. You and I are very fond of life-affirming. It's very life-affirming. And it's no wonder Oscar loved Eddie Redmayne. And I, first of all, Eddie Redmayne was really young when he won the Oscar in 2014. Um, you know, and, and you could tell... If ever want to see a touching um, Oscar acceptance speech with Eddie Redmayne, it's a really good one. That's it. That's all I'll say. Absolutely. So let's, Bruce, let's go to your number three pick Your top, of your top three. I like how you build the suspense right. there. <laughs> and then, yeah. then we'll do my number three. So, all right. Well, before I before I delve into my number three, my number yeah. three and number two picks, I want to say this because I'm going to cite you know one of them at a time. Yeah. But I will tell you, there's a corollary theme of country music. Now, I don't want to get too personal, but when I was growing up in Ohio, both my relatives grew up in southeastern Kentucky, and what I mean by that is my mom and dad. Uh, when my brother and I were growing up, loved country music. And we were sort of held against our will to listen to country music. So when I first saw uh, Walk the Line, uh, that's my number three, by the way, uh, real quickly, uh, it was released in 2005, uh, 20th Century Fox, directed by James Mangold, very good director, starring Joaquin Phoenix and, and Reese Witherspoon. Uh, also, you should know Reese Witherspoon won the Academy Award for playing June Carter Cash, uh, for Best Supporting Actress, and deservedly so. Yep. And also, Hollywood legend, I think I saw Joaquin Phoenix on a late-night TV show, but Hollywood legend has it that Phoenix was actually trained by Johnny Cash himself. And what I'll say about Walk the Line, even if you don't like country music, it is definitely a love story, uh, you know, with June Carter Cash, of course. Uh, and I, I had heard of Reese Witherspoon, but she really got my attention with that role. And the other thing, and I'll move on, but walk the line. You know, Johnny Cash is not an easy character to play. Uh, he's very dark, and then he's legendary right up until the present day. But, you know, I hope that story that uh, Joaquin Phoenix actually trained with Johnny Cash. But it's a love story. Uh, as most love stories go, it could be rocky, but I think at the end, they come to terms with one another, and they love one another, and I don't want to spoil the ending, but there's that scene where Johnny Cash is just basically professing his love to June Carter, and I think they kiss on stage, if I remember the scene correctly, but it's a really good biography, and I'm kind of surprised Joaquin Phoenix didn't win. Although I think he was nominated, um, he, he was nominated. He, he correct. He was yeah. nominated. Yep. He, yeah, he's terrific in that role. All you, right. you know what his name was before Joaquin, right? No, I don't. Leaf. He was Leaf. 
Oh, you know what? I did know that. Thank you for reminding me. And then he's the, uh, he's the brother of River Phoenix. Yes, River Phoenix. Yeah. Right now, no, that I did know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend it. All right, you want me to move on to two? I will. No, I'm going to do my number three. And my number three right. is the movie Ray, directed by Taylor Hackford, uh, starring uh, Jamie Foxx, Regina King, and Kerry Washington. Uh, Jamie Foxx, and this is the thing that always blows my mind. My memories of Jamie, Jamie Foxx are playing LaWanda or whatever her name was on In Living yeah. Color. Remember, on I In remember Living that? Color. Remember, yeah. I got you, baby. I got you. I know. With the Will big you rock my world? Will yeah, you rock my world? Right, right. I mean, you know, this just this huge man. I mean, and, and Jamie Foxx is like 6'3". Two twenty-five. He looks like an NFL yep. running back. I mean, he's he is a, you know just built, but he he is a, a a magnificent actor, and he can sing. And again, in this movie, he sings the music. Uh, yeah, he really does. And he, he's it's a wonderful film. I, I you know again, this is uh, you know about you know the life of Ray Charles, uh, oh. and uh, it, I highly recommend. You know, just you know him growing up in Georgia. Uh, you know about his life being you know i think the finding he was blind you know as a very mm-hmm. young man and then right. you know becoming this amazing performer celebrated you know worldwide uh it is a fantastic movie and i really do recommend it yeah it's funny i just make this comment ray is a great film and you're right jamie fox was known in living color he's not to go on a tangent on jamie fox he's also really good on we talked about sports movies a while back uh on any given sunday he's a very yes, he's a right. very talented actor and like i said when i heard that he was going to play uh ray charles i thought ah oh, this ought to be interesting but you're right it, it is definitely worth more than a look probably multiple and taylor hackford is a great director yeah. um he's been all over the place over the years but yeah I'm well it played, he played uh steaman willie beeman in any given sunday any given sunday he had, yeah. yeah he had that whole bit where he does that dance dance routine or the music video yep. yeah yeah very yep. good all right bruce let's hear your number two number two here comes country music again <laughs> uh i love this film jay we don't have enough time i could go on and on about this film but my number two is coal miner's daughter That's a 1980 uh, Universal Studios release, uh, and it's directed by Michael Apted. Now, i got to say something about Michael Apted. Have you ever noticed that directors like, um, who am I trying to think of, who directed Silence of the Lead? Jonathan Demme. Jonathan Demme, yep. The reason why I bring up Jonathan Demme is Michael Apted. A lot of people don't realize this, but... Great directors associate themselves with great personalities. So I'm just going to say this about Michael Apted uh, launching into Coal Miner's Daughter. Michael Apted directed the documentary about Sting's first solo tour in 1985, uh, which is the first album Sting released um, called... um, the Dream of the Blue Turtles, and it was directed by Michael Abted. But he's the director. It's starring Sissy Spacek, Tommy Lee Jones, Beverly D'Angelo from National Lampoon's Vacation, if you remember her. Um, and also there's a few Grand Ole Opry cameos, such as Minnie Pearl. And again, like I was mentioning with Walk the Line, I almost dismissed that until my parents took me to the cinema, the, the movie theater, to see the film. I almost dismissed it as, oh man, here we go, it's another country music film, and so I just kind of like blew it off. But by the end of the film, well, let me first of all point out that Sissy Spacek won the Academy Award for Best Actress in Hollywood Legend. She was handpicked by Loretta Lynn herself to play her. And she trained, uh, Sissy Spacek trained at Loretta Lynn's side. But there are so many gems in that film. It's serious by turns, but there's a lot of humor. And the controversial scene, I hope I can say this on the air because it's not really a bad word, but one of the funniest scenes, I wish we had a soundbite, is that, you know, Loretta Lynn was this very innocent, somewhat ignorant. She wasn't like a woman of the world. But then her and um, Tommy Lee Jones' character of Doolittle, um, they go into a – they're like traveling cross-country to, to promote Loretta Lynn's, you know, most recent album, let's say. <laughs> so what happens is they go into this, like, uh, roadside grocery store, and they get sliced bologna. And Tommy Lee Jones, you know, playing Doolittle, he's like, well, honey, you know what they say about bologna? And she's like, no, what, dude? And he says, well, it makes you horny. 
And Lorelin doesn't know what that word means. You know what I mean? So then, just like we're on the radio right now, then they put her on the air to promote this album. And it's Loretta Lynn not knowing what that word means. And so she's on the air, you know, live. And she says, well, we took me and Doolittle. That's my husband. We travel a lot. And I tell you what, the more he laughs, the hornier I get. And she had no clue what that word means. So the station manager, like, burst into the studio. And he's like, I don't know what kind of smut you people are talking about, but it's not going to be on my radio. So anyway, <laughs> I hope I'm not getting in trouble for saying more. No, okay. Horny's fine. All right. My number two, if you're ready, I am. Is a Man on the Moon. And this is from 1999. Yep. This is directed by Milos Foreman. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the story of the life of Andy Kaufman, starring Jim Carrey, Danny DeVito, uh, Paul Giamatti, Courtney Love, uh, the cast of Taxi. Of course, what yeah. DeVito was part of, you know, Carol Kane, Judd Hirsch. Uh, yeah. Uh, it. So this is um, really one of my favorite movies. And just Carrie is uh, magnificent as Andy Kaufman, who was just this insane being, you know. Who yeah, had, he really was. He was just not wound like any of us were wound. You know, he. Right. I mean, he was into this confrontational comedy. And, you know, I mean, the from the TV show Friday to Saturday Night Live to him being on the Letterman show. I mean, it, it, and, and Carrie, there's an amazing documentary out. It's on Netflix called uh, Jim and Andy. And it's about mm-hmm. Jim Carrey, the, about the filming of this movie. And Jim Carrey doing one of those becoming the character things where he was the oh, yeah. the entire time they're filming this movie he is playing Andy Kaufman I mean I'm talking from the not I mean off screen everything I mean he he was Andy Kaufman and the one of the stories that they tell in this movie is they didn't film the music video the REM music video until after the movie was done that they wrote a song called the great beyond for this, mm-hmm. for this movie and they didn't film the film until they were done and they they you know, it was like a week afterwards, they got a hold of Carrie, and they're like, we need you to come in, you know, we need you to be Andy. He's like, I cannot do it. I am, I can't be Andy Kaufman anymore. I've shut that off. I'm done. Yeah. You know? I yeah. mean, that's that method acting, right, where you are digging into the character, where you become that character. Carrie was wonderful. Should have been nominated for the Academy Award here. Um, I don't know why he wasn't. Uh, he was. He he won the Golden Globe for Best Actor in a, in a comedy role. Uh, I think he won it the next year for for the Truman Show or two years later for the Truman mm-hmm. Show. He should have been nominated for an Academy Award here. He was absolutely fantastic. He really is, and I'll make another comment. You you mentioned very rightly about method acting. Yeah. And if you take an actor, well, certainly Jim Carrey, and he deserved, like you said, he probably deserved the Oscar, but he did win the Golden Globe. Yes. But sometimes being a character actor, whether you're talking about an actor like uh, Robert De Niro or Heath Ledger is another good example, or Christian Bale, sometimes actors, and I think you mentioned a, a moment ago about how Jim Carrey sort of drew the line at some point. It's like some actors give their lives over to the character, you know what I'm saying, for better or for worse. And the other real quickly observation about Man on the Moon, Milos Forman, leave it to him to direct that film. Uh, Amadeus, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and I said earlier, it's like great directors associate themselves with with great personalities. So kudos to Milos Forman as well as Jim Carrey. Awesome. So let's go now to your number one top biopic. Well, here's my challenge, Jay. Uh, my number one, I can't really come up with anything eloquent that hasn't been said about this film. So my number one is Citizen Kane, 1941 RKO Radio Pictures, directed by Orson Welles, starring Orson Welles, Joseph Cotton, Dorothy Kamagori, if I'm pronouncing that right, Agnes Moorhead, remember her from Bewitched. From Bewitched, yep. From Bewitched, uh, Ruth Warwick, Harry Shannon, and the rest of the Mercury Theater. What I want to point out about that is that, yes, uh, you know, scholarly, going back generations, people will say Citizen Kane is the best best film ever, ever filmed. It's not probably our generation, but, you know, maybe our parents. But 
it's, you know, there's so many gems in that film, and Orson Welles was very devoted to the Mercury Theater, and they did radio programs as in The War of the Worlds. Yep. And if I'm not mistaken, they also did stage plays. But it's just, not only is it the the granddaddy, in my opinion, of all top biopics, it warrants multiple viewings. You're going to get, you know, it's black and white, released, like I said, in 1941, which would have been wartime. And it's just again and again, um, and I say this, it's like, wow, you know, Citizen Kane lived up to the hype. And I remember real quickly, without getting too personal, my brother burst into my bedroom door, and he's like, Citizen Kane is on, Bruce. And I was about, I was about seven years old. He's like, some people say this is the best film ever made. you got to check this out. Well, when you're seven years old, you don't really have a concept of that. You know what I mean? Right. But, but, no, the last thing I'll say is I think one of the best movie trivia, and I'm not going to solve it for you, but do you know what the, the meaning of Rosebud means? I do not. Okay, I'm not going to spoil it for you. No, just have to I want watch you all, I, find no, out I do, on. I do know I, from the movie. Yes, absolutely. No, I mean no. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I saw. I told Bruce the very first time I saw this movie was on its 50th anniversary at the mm-hmm. music at the um at the music box in in mm-hmm. Chicago. Just mm-hmm. an amazing presentation. Yes, Rosebud. Yeah. Um, I mean it's famous. You know, there, in fact, there was this comedy skit I saw a couple of years later uh, that talks about what Rosebud was. But my, I have a couple other things to say about um, uh, Citizen Kane. Well, actually, it's, you know, the life of Charles Foster Kane, but it's based on William, William Randolph, Randolph Hearst. Right, William yeah, Randolph Hearst. The publisher. And, and there was a yeah. movie in 1999, and I think it was an HBO movie, or maybe it was released in the theaters, but it was called Archeo. RKO 281, and it was about the filming of Citizen Kane, and Lee Shriver played Orson Welles in this movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it I is, haven't. Oh, it's Bruce. It's wonderful. If you can find it and watch it, watch it because uh, there's oh, some amazing. Because well, one of the things that they and okay, so the other thing I need to tell you real quick is that uh, when my son was in high school, he had a film class and. They were doing a segment on Citizen Kane, and I got Matt Baker home, my good friend from the, from Ebert.com, who was working with oh, me. Yeah. The, I, he was working with me at the paper at the time. I got him to come in and talk about Citizen Kane to the class while I sat and listened to it. And it, 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 it's terrific. Cool. So anyway, in RKO 281, one of the things that you no, one of the things that you notice in Citizen Kane that they talk that it, it, when they're filming the movie at the beginning, mm-hmm. all the shots, most of the shots of Kane are filmed up. To him, yeah, to make him yes. appear larger than life, right? Yeah, and, yep. and then when he gets older, when he's diminished, the sh- the camera is focused down on him. Down, yeah, right? right. Well, okay, so there's a scene, and this actually happened where they needed, they couldn't get, Schreiber couldn't get that camera angle he wanted. They dug through the floor in a building and put the <laughs> camera down three feet lower so he could yeah. actually get a, a upshot that he wanted of himself. I mean. It, Citizen Kane, yes, one of the top three, five, many considered by many the greatest film ever made. It is, yeah. it is an amazing movie, uh, but there's so much more to it. There's so much more going on there that I mean, and things that like the 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 um, makeup of Joseph Cotton was yep. was for its time was years past. What I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, it blew away the standards of the industry. It, yeah. it changed everything about makeup, going how they aged him in the movie. Yeah. Unbelievable! It is an amazing movie, but you have to watch, and you just have to like kind of sink everything in because there's so much going on. There's so much going on, and you know, it's almost like you know, in this day and age, you can like rewind and go back. Well, let me see that shot again, right, exactly. and whatever. But I, I totally agree with what you're saying, and I mean, Orson Welles, and I think this is why Citizen Kane is so resonant, is that. You know, directed by Orson Welles, just like you were talking about with the shots and the lengths they would go to to get the shot right and so forth. He just poured.
pours himself, obviously, just like we were talking about Ed Harris. He's the main lead you know, character, the actor, but he's just pouring himself to get the shot right. Yeah. And it's no wonder that you were talking about that uh, that movie about movies. What's it called again? 281 uh, RKO? RKO 281. Yeah, it just it, it's another testament to a director, uh, along with the Mercury Theater, just pouring his heart and soul. And I've worked with directors like that on stage, not on film. Yeah. But I worked with actors, or excuse me, directors that just pour themselves to get the shot right. So that's it. I'm done. I'm ready for all you. Right. So my number one film, my number one, my favorite biopic of all time is Chaplin. And that is uh, 1992, directed by Richard Attenborough, uh, Sir Richard Attenborough, who was a wonderful director, died in 2014, uh, directed Gandhi, Cry Freedom, Chorus Line, uh, A Bridge Too Far. I mean, just a wonderful, wonderful director. This is the life of Charlie Chaplin, as portrayed by Robert Downey Jr. And yep. Downey Jr. absolutely nails this role. He was fantastic it's just the mannerisms the look everything about it he was he bled charlie chaplin in this movie um <laughs> anthony hopkins is in this movie marissa tomei yep. uh penelope and miller dan Aykroyd, kevin klein mila jovovich james woods diane lane and charlie chaplin geraldine chaplin his charlie chaplin's wife right it plays his mother oh that it? was his wife i thought that was his Maybe oh maybe I have to look that up. I have to look it up. Okay, uh, but but anyway, um, so yes, this is like from and it's not only Chaplin as a young man. This is Chaplin to where he was in. I think it was France, right? Where he you know sequ- yeah. he left the U.S. and then he comes back in the was it the seventies? And there's that big mm-hmm. moment at the Academy Awards where he comes. I mean, Charlie Chaplin was a very you know there was a lot going on. You know, he was a very difficult man right i mean there's a lot of things going on there but right him as the kid you know that is or the dictator right in the great the speech in the great dictator unbelievable i mean just you know this is a really really good movie and this is before downey jr like went through that personal hell of his life where he was you know, into the drugs and being arrested and, and then reinvented his, you know, I think 2005, he would, uh, 2007, Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. And um, uh, what was the movie about Edward R. Murrow that he was in? Um, oh, Good Night and Good Luck. Yeah, Good Night and Good Luck. Yeah, I mean, you know, before he reinvented himself, I mean, he you saw the talent that Robert mm-hmm. Downey Jr. had. I mean, he's a terrific, I think he's... You think I think he's like, like I said about Ed Harris. Ed Harris earlier, he's one of our most underappreciated actors. I mean, he's wonderful. I think you bring up a very good point about Robert Downey Jr. and it's unfortunate because it's really prevalent in Hollywood that actors, you know, male or female actors, uh, and other creative forces, they abuse themselves. Yes. And I think what's unfortunate about Robert Downey Jr. is, you know, it's 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 unfortunate and frankly it's not fair that, you know, if you say Robert Downey Jr. it's like Charlie Sheen almost. It's like they're going to immediately associate that name with drug addiction or, you know, the you know, uh, brushes with the law or against the law. And it's a shame because you're absolutely right. Robert Downey Jr. and Charlie Chaplin is not an easy play. It's like what I was talking about with Walk the Line playing Johnny Cash. Charlie Chaplin is not an easy role. And like you mentioned about the the arc of the storyline, he not only plays him as a young Charlie Chaplin, but later on um, as an older one. So, I mean, kudos to, to Robert Downey Jr. No matter what, you know, drug addictions he might have and so forth, he's still a great great actor that's all i'll say it's and directed by richard Attenborough. now you know richard Attenborough played the the mastermind of jurassic that's Park. correct yep that's correct yeah so he's also a decent actor john hammond you know, yeah exactly welcome, well, to, well, jurassic yeah, welcome to jurassic park my dear dr welcome sandler to, right you know welcome to yeah. jurassic just a, yeah richard Attenborough, terrific terrific actor um, yeah. Like we mentioned, and and a wonderful, wonderful director too. So, and I want to uh, get back real quickly to something I said. We were talking about Geraldine Chaplin is actually the daughter of Charlie Chaplin. Oh, okay. Uh, she was born okay. in 1944, and she. Now let's step back. <laughs> Obviously, she's in this movie 
probably because she's Chaplin's daughter, but I know she, her film she's credits. Got, she's got 163 <laughs> film credits. I, I mean, she's a crazy amount of movies. Uh, you so. know what her most prominent, in my opinion, Geraldine Chapman's most prominent role was Dr. Zhivago. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Wow. Holy cow. He, Julie Christie, um, Omar Sharif. Yeah. I don't want to stray too much off topic. But, yeah, she plays, I can't remember. I think it's Tanya is the character's name. But she's right up there with Julie Christie and... Um, yeah, Dr. Zhivago. So anyway, that's where I'll say about it. So, so Bruce, real quickly, uh, mm-hmm. great segment. Let's talk about. Thank you. Let's talk about next month. Next month, we are going to talk about our favorite movies about the movies or about TV. <laughs> so right. uh, we mentioned Ed Wood. That comes to mind for you. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's several movies uh, lately. Uh, Traffic Thunder. Uh, you know, it's a great movie. Uh, there's movies like broadcast news, right. About the TV news. Uh, you know, there's, there's several movies. Do you have any else in you know, mind? I do. Um, it, a much more recent choice would be Hail Caesar. Oh, Hail Caesar. Absolutely. Wonderful. movie. Which is a film about films. And then, um, what is the Woody Allen film that I love so much? It's not Bullets Over Broadway, but there's a Woody. I can, you know, we have plenty of time to research it. Yeah. But there's, yeah, there's other films about films. And um, now I'm not going to be redundant and mention Ed Wood because we already talked about it. So I just have to come up with some new <laughs> <Right>. material. <laughs> well, that's okay. I mean, and it's, a, well, it's Sunset Boulevard, famously, right? Uh, oh, Joe, good choice. Is it Joan Crawford in that movie? I'm, I'm ready for my shot, Mr. DeMille, right? Yes. Yeah, and she's yeah. like, I, I, you know what's funny? Here's real quickly, you know what's funny? Mother's Day the other day, one channel, you know what movie they were playing over and over again? Yeah. What? I don't know. No, come on. M- Mommy Dearest. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. On Mother's Day. played by Faye Dunaway. Oh, oh my gosh. No more wire <laughs> hangers. Oh, my I, gosh. Wire hangers, she goes berserk because oh. she's got wire hangers instead yep. of plastic ones. By the way, in my own apartment, I have plastic hangers. Maybe there we go. Because of some kind of latent thing. I'll tell you another one yes. real quickly, you know, looking forward to, to next, I very much am looking forward to it. There is a film with Willem Dafoe playing Max Shrek, who played um, Nosferatu. And I want to say, you could look it up, it's Willem Dafoe playing Max Shrek, who played Nosferatu, which preceded, it predated Bela Lugosi's Dracula, but he was like the original Dracula, and I, I, I want to say it's like Heart of Darkness, or it's it, I can look it up, but that's that's my little teaser. It, it stars Willem Dafoe. You can't go wrong with that All right. guy. All yeah. right, so, so anyway. we'll, we'll we'll check that out next month. Bruce, hey, thank you so much for joining. Terrific You're very segment, welcome, and we'll all talk yeah. soon. All right, look forward to it, Jay. You and family be safe, and I'll catch you later. All right, you as well. <laughs>